It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast presented by betonline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast Podcast because they've got the best odds and the fastest payouts. Just use our code BIGFEAST at betonline.ag. He's the star of the show, Evan Silva from Roto World, at Evan Silva is his Twitter handle. I'm a former NFL offensive lineman at Ross Tucker NFL and all the shows that are available over at RossTucker.com can be followed on Twitter at RTF Podcast so you know exactly when they've been posted. Can't tell you how much we appreciate the retweets on Twitter or if you're a Facebook-only person, give it a like when I post it, please, over at Facebook.com slash NFL. It means a lot. Evan, I've got nobody to give an MFL 10 to today. I, maybe I didn't, maybe I wasn't clear last week. We've got MFL 10 giveaways. We, we've got MFL 10 entries to give out free $10. Nobody even tried to claim it. So I don't know if it happens again next week, Evan, I'll just give it to you. I'm sure that like there's some rule. If you have a contest, it can't be the host. I don't care. Nobody tries to enter. They're giving us free $10. I'll give you the 10 bucks, Evan. I love free money. I mean, there is nothing better than free money, and it's not just free $10. If you win, it's free $100, you know, so sign up. Love it. All right, so what do we got? And by the way, that I'll just take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com, any of them, even the Amazon banner ad, then forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, hey, I want the, the free MFL entry. We got uh, Joe Marino coming on, Evan. Why? Because he had the most accurate mock draft in the entire nation last year. And we got the NFL draft coming up. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, April 17th. We're nine days out. And we want to know what is going to happen in the NFL draft. Now, the NFL draft is one of the most unpredictable entities in all of sports. I mean, I compare it to the NCAA tournament, which is notoriously difficult to predict. Um, you know, it's, and, and we will get into the specifics of that during the interview, because although Joe Marino had the best score in the nation last year, it's not like he got the whole first round, right. And we, we will get into the specifics of exactly what he got right, uh, during the interview. Let's do it. Next meal. Well, as promised, we are now joined by a guy that Evan Silva says is the best mock drafter in the galaxy. He, you can check him out on Twitter at the Joe Marino, co-host of Draft Dudes, works for NDT Scouting, Fan Rag Sports. Again, check him out on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Joe, it's Ross and Evan here on the Fantasy Feast podcast. I guess let's start with that, Joe. Are you the best mock drafter in the galaxy? Well, wow, that's a lot to live up to. Um, I, I guess I can I can say that's true at least for 2017, uh, where I was able to to turn in the most accurate mock draft of anyone. But uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see what 2018, uh, you know, has in the future for me here. There's a, a lot to dig into with this class and a lot of unpredictability just a week away. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, some of these teams, I, I don't know why, like the Browns, I think sometimes they want the number one team to like keep as much suspense as possible because it's more interesting then or whatever. But um, let's start with your background, Joe. I mean, I mentioned some of the entities you're working for. Kind of what's your what's your background to get to the point where you got the gigs that you have? Yeah, so I, I basically responded to an ad in 2011 uh, for the USA Today was putting together this site of this network of draft sites and got a chance to get my feet wet there and do some editing and producing content, which led to an opportunity with uh, Brian Perez at Draft Breakdown. And then uh, I've, I've since hooked up with Kyle Krabs uh, to help with NDT scouting and which has formed a, uh, a hosting agreement with FanRag Sports to kind of be their NFL draft scouting service and um, it's it's been a great relationship and um, I'm really excited about the work that we've been able to uh, put in over the last couple of years with them and, and where that where that's going in the future so it's um, it's just been a series of, of of growth I guess over the last seven or eight years and I'm really excited to be where I am and what's in the future. Okay so that's how you basically got with FanRag is you you ended up after the USA Today thing you got with uh Kyle and NDT scouting. Yeah, it's, it, it turned into, you know, we had some connections. We were very familiar with, uh, with some of their content uh, managers at the time. And, um, you know, we're able to just kind of, you know, cultivate some relationships that we had and, and put together this hosting agreement where uh, they provide, you know, all the, all the power behind NDT scouting.com and our syndicate agreement. And then uh, we were able to do a lot of stuff, written stuff for fan rag sports as well, including the draft dudes podcast. So, um, it's it's been uh, some relationships that started several years ago that um, you know have just kind of kind of materialized into you know more of a, a bigger scale type of operation and it's been really uh, really great. I love it. Okay, so before we ask you specific questions about this year, what 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 would you say if anything is the secret to your success? Success, or I guess you don't want to give that away, but why do you think you had such a good year last year, Joe? Well, I, I, I think what it came down to, what put me over the edge, was being able to lock down Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City and Deshaun Watson to Houston. And it was something, you know, I, I had sat down and put a lot of time into my final mock draft, and I made two changes the next day before I published it, and those were the two. I said, I've got to get these guys in the right spots and just try to connect as many dots as I could and, and wind up uh, making those two changes, which gave me nine first-round matches and 28 out of 32 correctly pegged first-round guys. And you know, you, you just try to try to connect the dots. You pay attention to who teams are, are visiting with and bringing in, especially late. I think the late visits really matter. Um, you know, understanding, you try to understand as much as you can about these general managers and their tendencies and how the players fit the schemes and if there's any connections, you know, with uh, some of their staff and some of the prospects where they've coached in the past. And you just you, know, you try to connect all the dots you can and, and, and hope it sticks. And uh, last year it worked out pretty well for me. Have you had any teams contact you to be like, all right, what are you thinking this year, Joe? Or can, or can you send us your mock draft before before you send it out publicly? Well, I, I, you know, I've not had that specifically. We've done a lot of consulting work for for teams and prospects, the guys that are going to declare and, and giving them some some decisions and stuff like that, some direction. But uh, no, not specifically. We we do our uh, we do have NFL draft guides that we sell at NETScouting.com. We've got several teams that do purchase those on a yearly basis. So there's some. 
there's something there, but uh, you know, no, no general managers uh, called me up yet, but I'd certainly entertain that phone call if they'd like to. There you go. All right, Evan, what do you got for him? Yeah. So uh, what, what happened is, so the huddle report every year um, tracks mock draft accuracy and they've been doing this for over a decade. And uh, Joe Marino won the, huddle report mock draft accuracy contest last year and he talked about you know his his exact score his score was 46 uh and he got that from getting nine connecting nine players to the teams that drafted them in the first round and getting 28 of 32 guys correct that were selected in the first round now, obviously, I'm not trying to diminish Joe Marino's accomplishment. He had the best mock draft in the friggin' world last year, but he still only got nine out of 32 right. And why I wanted to talk about that is because I just wanted to highlight how difficult to predict the NFL draft is. Because Joe Marino had the best mock draft in the world, and he got 28% of the first round correct um so i just wanted to really highlight that but joe let's start off with the browns at number one i mean we're going to try to get through as many teams in the first round as we possibly can who do you think that they're taking at number one the cleveland browns yeah i think it's going to be sam darnold Uh, you know josh allen's been a name that has surfaced a bit here late in the process and you you think about John Dorsey and him liking Patrick Mahomes and there's some physical trait similarities between the two but at the end of the day it feels like the consensus guy the NFL believes is the best chance to be a a long-term starting quarterback at Sam Darnold and I think that uh, that's ultimately what we're going to see happen at number one. All right so Sam Darnold is off the board at number one to the Browns we go to the Giants. Now, we know that the Giants have an affinity for Sam Darnold. Jordan Rainan, um, their ESPN reporter, uh, he has discussed how the only quarterback that the Giants would take at number two is Sam Darnold. So are we going non-quarterback position player here, or are we going to – like what are we doing with the Giants at number two? Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe Sam Darnold's the only quarterback they're comfortable taking this high in the draft. I know that there's some quarterbacks they like that they would love to get at 34 or maybe even as a trade back into the first round. But uh, at two, I don't think they're going to do it. So, you know, this is a spot that's been talked about as a trade back spot. But when you look at Dave Gettleman and his tenure as a general manager with the Carolina Panthers, he only traded, he never traded back at all. He traded up one time. And so he's not a guy that moves a lot. And so I don't think we're going to see that here. I think it comes down to two players for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, running back Penn State, Bradley Chubb, the defensive end from NC State. And we know that Gettleman wants a guy that doesn't have any warts and a guy that just really projects as a perennial all-pro type player. And, um, you know, I I think that Barkley is just going to be the guy that he thinks can make the biggest impact on this team, you know, having Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram outside and an improved offensive line seemingly – you plug in Saquon Barkley, you can have Eli Manning orchestrate this offense, and you think maybe they can be on schedule and, and find find a chance to compete here late in Eli Manning's career. And I think that that also gives them a bit of an identity moving forward. And so, you know, I think Bradley Chubb is definitely in play, but I think this ultimately winds up being Saquon Barkley. 
Yeah, I think that this is a logical first start based on all the information that we have right now. I think it's a logical start to the draft. Number three, Jets. You know, they moved, They made the trade up. They traded three second-round picks to climb just three spots toward the top of the draft. Got to think they're going quarterback at three. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a quarterback, right? You, you just don't move up and give up that much for three spots to not come away with your long-term answer at quarterback. And the one that seems to really fit is Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma, you know, projecting him to Jeremy Bates' West Coast-type scheme. You know, I think that's just a match made in heaven. It's a, it's a kind of a splashy New York type thing, and, and I think that he'll thrive there. So um, this is one I actually kind of feel pretty good about. Uh, I don't know that this is going to change when my final mock draft comes out. This is the guy I think the Jets like and that they're ultimately going to select at number three. I agree. I mean, there have been more and more rumblings about Baker Mayfield in recent weeks, and I, I'm with you. I think that he's going to be the guy at number three. We now have Josh Allen – quote-unquote falling and we have the Browns back on the board at number four we also have Josh Rosen still on the board and Bradley Chubb what are the Browns going to do with the fourth overall pick you know I think this is exactly what they hope would happen uh, I think the player they had in mind here is is Bradley Chubb out of NC State now this is also a trade back spot where you know Buffalo's eager to move up maybe Miami Arizona and so um, I think the player that they're comfortable sitting and taking is Chubb. And so I would ultimately say that's the strongest possibility, but I wouldn't discount the idea that they think that they can move back to 11 or 12 and still be able to get, you know, maybe a Mike McGlinchey or a Denzel Ward in that spot and then get another player mm-hmm. with some other capital that they pick up. But ultimately I think their ideal pairing is Darnold and Chubb. And in this scenario, they get that. And, you know, the Browns have a lot of draft capital, you know, beyond this. And so they don't necessarily need, to stockpile a bunch of picks when they can just go ahead and land, land a premium player. So if this is the way things play out, it, it would be – I would guess it's most likely they stay put and, and select Bradley Chubb. All right, Broncos are on the board at number five now. You know, I think that they would love to grab Saquon Barkley uh, if he were to fall. Um, I think that Quentin Nelson – but he's off the board at number two to the Giants. I think that Quentin Nelson would be in play. They have – a chance to draft either of the quarterbacks that we just mentioned, Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. Uh, what do you think that they do at number five, the Denver Broncos? You know, I've, I know that there's a connection here between Sean Kugler, their uh, offensive line coach and uh, Will Hernandez. And I'm not certainly not projecting him at number five, but I think that's a reason to think Denver is a trade back spot. I know they like Denzel Ward. I know they like Will Hernandez. Could they come away with that package of players at 12 and 22 if they were to trade back with Buffalo. It's a possibility, and I think it's something that we need to really, really consider. It's something that I'm going to be, you know, uh, losing some sleep over the next week here trying to figure out if that's a true possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're not projecting trades here, then I would think that Quentin Nelson is the player that they would, would really like to get get this offensive line right. You put him and in, in Garrett Bowles on the left side of the offensive line, that's going to be a recipe for moving bodies all over the football field and, um, I still think that, um, you know, John Elway has some belief in Paxton Lynch. I also believe that they're more committed to Case Keenum than anybody really wants to admit. And, and so that, I don't know that this is a quarterback spot, even with Rosen and Allen on the board at this time. So trade back, it, it seems like a strong possibility for them to target a Hernandez and Ward. Uh, but also if they stay put, I can really see Quentin Nelson being the guy here. 
All right. Yeah, and they, 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 you know, they put Quentin Nelson on the line. They've got him. They've got Garrett Bowles. They've got Ronald Leary. Their offensive line really had fallen apart in recent years. But adding Quentin Nelson to that offensive line, they finally have like a bedrock, a foundation to have a formidable offensive line. So I, I think that that is a safe, strong pick. Number six, Colts. I think that they would love Bradley Chubb, but he went off the board to the Broncos at number four. Could they trade down again? You know, again, Josh Allen and Josh Rosen still on the board at number six. What, what do we got the Colts doing here? You know, I, I think when they moved back from three to six, they thought in their mind they can get Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, or Saquon Barkley. But with no quarterback, with no Allen or Rosen slotted, you know, that just didn't happen. And so I do think that this is an opportunity for them to move back again, the same cast of teams that I thought could be candidates to move up to four and five are absolutely in play to move up to six. Uh, they can also stay put and select Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Virginia Tech, who I think if they were to stay put in this situation would be a very strong candidate, a, a guy that's a big physical imposing player that can work into the line of scrimmage, but he has a lot of range and rare size and he's 19 years old. And, you know, he's, he looks like Brian Erlacher, you know, in the middle of the defense. And I, I think that, you know, when they're looking for like a, a premium talent in this draft. They're going to need to stay put and get him in this spot. And I think it would fit really well with Matt Everfliss, you know, four, three defenses that Mike linebacker, but um, certainly a team with a lot of holes. If you look at this Colts roster, I mean, they, they need help pretty much everywhere. And so um, if they were to stay put, I would really think Tremaine Edmonds would be, uh, you know, the, a strong possibility. But if they were to trade back, you know, that certainly opens up a lot of different positions. And certainly we can start slotting Allen and Rosen in one of these spots if someone were to trade up. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number seven. Um, I think that they could go a bunch of different ways. Secondary really stands out to me, though, as a need. And this seems like a spot where they could end up with a player in the secondary. Where do you think that they're going to go? Tampa Bay Bucks at number seven. Yeah, I think the player they like is Derwin James, safety from Florida State, a guy that can just do so many different things, really excels playing down near the line of scrimmage in the box. And he filters through traffic well and can make plays uh, right at the line of scrimmage, takes good angles, he's explosive. But he can also win in coverage, and he can be the guy that neutralizes some of those bigger slots and, and tight ends that the NFL challenges you with. So um really think Derwin James is their target. They could probably get him, though, if they were to trade back. And so – this is another spot where we're, you know, we're trying to project these teams that are going to move up and get quarterbacks. You know, this is where I start thinking about, hey, it's got to be four, five, six, or seven. But if Tampa Bay were to stay mm -hmm. put at seven, I think Derwin James is the target, and I still think he's the target if they move back to eleven and twelve. Yeah, it's interesting because in picks one through five, there are a lot of teams that theoretically need quarterbacks or at least could take quarterbacks, and then from six until about 11 or from six until 10 there really are no teams that need quarterbacks or that theoretically <laughs> need quarterbacks in that range i mean colts andrew luck and jacoby Brissett, uh buccaneers at seven Jameis winston bears at eight they just dra traded up to draft mitchell trubisky number nine jimmy garoppolo 10 um Derek carr with the raiders so it, it's it's going to be interesting, you know. These teams that are that are potentially trying to trade up, they need to figure out where exactly, you know, they don't want to go too they don't want to go too far. They don't and they don't want to get caught in a position where they can't get the quarterback. 
that they want. Um, so let's move on to the Bears at number eight. Uh, what do you think that they they could do? Yeah, so the Bears, um, you know, I know they love to get Quentin Nelson, but I just don't think he's going to get past five or six uh, or seven, to be honest with you. So um, that's going to be, you know, a, a dream for them. But, um, you know, I, I think the second level of this defense is where they can best help their team. And Roquan Smith from Georgia is a guy that um, has a ton of range, very instinctive. He can win in coverage, really dynamic coverage player. And, you know, Chicago's got this long history of, you know, middle linebackers that are just tone setters and, and leaders. And, and, and I think they can get that in Roquan Smith. So in this scenario where they really miss out on Quentin Nelson or Tremaine Edmonds, you know, I think Roquan Smith is, is a really strong consolation prize. And, and I think they're going to go defense. And, and I think Roquan Smith would make the most sense. I like that pick. Vic Fangio, you look back at his, the Bears defensive coordinator, you look back at his history. You know, his defenses have always paid for inside linebackers. Teams have not always – not all teams pay for inside linebackers, but his have. Uh, you know, you go back to in San Francisco, Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Uh, when he first got to Chicago, Jarrell Freeman and uh, Danny Trevathan. Uh, so I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think that if Tremaine Edmonds were to be uh, were to be available here, he also could be a consideration uh, as a big force at, at inside linebacker for them. But Roquan Smith fits that. Navarro Bowman, Jarrell Freeman, you know, not necessarily a, a plus-sized inside linebacker, uh, but a guy that does not come off the field in sub-packages uh, and can affect the, the game in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I really like that pick. 49ers at number nine, what are you thinking? You know, I, I've been thinking Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds, but uh, they, yeah. they didn't make it this far in part, you know, the, the, the quarterback sliding in this scenario because I, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say a, a specific trade, uh, but uh, has really kind of affected things and, and shifted some guys down the board. And so, you know, they're not going to get a chance to shore up that second level. Um, and I, I think this is a little too early for Leighton Vanderesk as well. So I, I think you look at the San Francisco 49ers, I shift to the, where the value is going to be. And I think it's at safety. I know they'd love to get a wide receiver, maybe an offensive lineman, but I don't see a lot of value there. But if you can get a safety like Mika Fitzpatrick, where you know Jimmy Ward's a guy that's been much better as a slot guy, you know Jarkiski Tart is a free agent. Um, just feel like safety could be a, the direction here. And when you got a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick that gives you that versatility uh, to line up at, in, in the slot and play single hinds, play in split zones, and he can tackle and really he's a wizard at disguising coverage. And, and you know what this what this 49ers team is going to be tasked with now with the Rams really being a threat in that division. You know, I can really see that being the direction should a uh, uh, the linebackers, you know, Edmonds or Smith not being available. I like Mika Fitzpatrick in this spot. And I think he'd just end up playing a bunch of slot corner for them too. I mean, they, they did give K1 Williams a, a decent little contract uh, last year, but he's, you know, he, he's certainly not a difference maker at, at slot corner. And I think that Mika Fitzpatrick could be. Um, and I think maybe he could end up even playing a little outside corner. They could try him there during minicamp and OTAs. He only played 13 snaps at outside corner at Alabama last year. But, I mean, I think that they they just find a role for him. Um, and he could be almost like a, a, a rover sort of player. I mean, I, I watched a ton of Minka Fitzpatrick. He, he's, he lines up at so many different positions, even playing like a linebacker 
sort of role mm-hmm. um, close to the line of scrimmage. Number 10, Raiders. I feel like, man, they could go in a lot of different directions here. What are you thinking? Yeah, for sure. They, they can do a lot of different things. I think what they're going to be able to do here at 10, though, is get the best offensive tackle in this class. That's Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame. And Donald Penn's 35. He's coming off that injury. Right now they're slated to start Vidal Alexander at right tackle. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a very safe option. And uh, they've got short-term, they've got long-term questions right here at this spot. And Mike McGlinchey is a guy that's played right and left tackle in his career. And so you can start him out of the right side and move him over when they're ready to move on from Donald Penn or he retires. But, uh, you know, they, they definitely need help at linebacker. And they need some help at corner. Um, but uh, I think right now in this draft with, you know, some of the depth that I don't think the offensive tackle position has, they can get a guy they can plug in right away and shore up one of those tackle spots. And Mike McGlinchey would be a lot of, make a lot of sense to me in this spot. Donald Penn, 35, coming off Liz Frank surgery. Uh, so he, he's certainly no sure thing. I wanted to ask you specifically because you do, in addition to being like a forecaster slash predictor, you also do actual player scouting, of course. I wanted to ask you about Mike McGlinchey. Can he be an NFL left tackle? We, we It seems like we have this discussion every single year about specific prospects, and they end up playing left tackle in the NFL. Um, we, we had this discussion about, a little bit about Garrett Bowles. We had this discussion about Cam Robinson. He had a really solid year uh, as the Jaguars left tackle. Uh, we have this discussion about a, a lot of different guys, and a lot of, the, a lot of them end up playing left tackle in the NFL. Uh, but do you think that McGlinchey has that skill set? I know Lance Zierlein uh, c- uh, compared McGlinchey to Jared Veld here, uh, which I thought was a great – stylistic um, comparison. Jared Veld here, of course, uh, has played both positions, primarily a left tackle, though, in the NFL, and he's six foot eight, just like McGlinchey. But do you think that McGlinchey could step right in? Like, you know, say he, say the Bill, say the, say the Browns do trade down with the Bills and the Browns go down to number 12. You know, do you think that McGlinchey could be a plug-and-play or would they even view him that as a plug-and-play left tackle, because that's a big need for them. I do. I do think he could play left tackle. Um, you know, I, everyone wants to point to that Georgia game where he gave up that game-winning sack at the end, and you know he wasn't really able to keep up with that speed around the edge from Lorenzo Carter. But you know, I think that that play is is not a microcosm of of what we you see if you you know you study several games. And he's a very consistent setter, and he plays with really good leverage for a guy that's six foot eight and. I do think he has the foot speed and the consistency with his sets to stay square to these edge rushers, and he's got a lot of length. And I, I don't have any issues projecting him to the left side. Um, so, you know, it's obviously going to increase his value. But, you know, even if he is a right tackle, you know, you, the, the way the NFL is now with pass rushers, they come from every angle. You know, you got to be able to have, you know, it's not, there's no right tackle only guys anymore. You just put the big guy that can't really move on the right side because he's got to block Von Miller and Khalil Mack over there, too. And uh, so, you know, I think that he has value in either spot, but I don't have any issues projecting him to the left side. Number 11, Dolphins. I think we kind of know that they really like Baker Mayfield. Um, In in this little mock, we still have Josh Allen and Josh Rosen on the board. Uh, But where where do you think that they go at number 11, the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I think in this scenario, you know, if Josh Rosen were to make it this far (laughs) – 
which, you know, certainly he's a trade target, even for a team like New England is, is what we're hearing. But, uh, you know, I think that Josh Rosen would be the pick if he was on the board at 11 for the Miami Dolphins. I, I know that they have Ryan Tannehill. It's not a pressing need, but Tannehill's a 30. He's coming off the, the knee. And I really liked what Tannehill showed uh, two years ago with, with, uh, with Adam Gase. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not going to dismiss that he's okay as their starting quarterback, but I think that there's a lot they can do with Josh Rosen in terms of his mental processing, accuracy, ability to win from the pocket, and you know how well Adam Gase has shown with with quarterbacks. I think there can be a lot of potential with that marriage. And you know, Miami's not a team that's ever been afraid afraid to move on from players, especially lately. Right here with Vita, or with um, excuse me, Damakong Su, they've cut and Jay Ajayi, a player that they've moved on from, and Pouncey. I mean, there's there's no there's not a lot of loyalty. Jarvis Landry. You know, all these players, they're not afraid to move on. And so I, I think that Adam Gase is really buying into getting his guys. And and uh, and so if he got a chance to pull the trigger on Josh Rosen, I think that that'd be something that he wouldn't be able to pass up right here if he were to slide to number 11. And we've also heard more and more kind of whispers that Josh Rosen could slip, whether it be due to, you know, the way that he kind of pre- presents himself. You know, he's not afraid to speak his mind or – because of his injury history um you know there there have been more there's been more and more whispers that he could fall now we still have josh allen available and one situation that this is sort of i've wondered if this could be a possibility we i remember um when blaine gabbert and uh, cam newton were coming out and they were in the, the same draft class and we were told it was beaten into our heads that blaine gabbert could be the number one overall pick in the draft. And I know that that sounds silly now, but that was like a very, Mm -hmm. I mean, Blaine Gabbert was at number one in a ton of mock drafts that year. Um, And I've just wondered, could that same, a similar scenario play out with uh, Josh Allen, where we kind of know that, man, this guy has a lot of flaws as a prospect. You know, why are we being told that he's going to go so high in the draft. We're kind of skeptical of it. And so I've wondered, you know, could he end up slipping like Blaine Gabbert did? Blaine Gabbert went, I believe, at number 11. Um, so now we're we're on the clock at number 12 with the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen is available. Do, do, do they take him? Yeah, I think this is where the Josh Allen slide would, would end if, you know, the things were to play out like this and, you know, Buffalo, I guess the, the silver lining for Buffalo is they didn't have to move up. <laughs> you know, they've got all this draft capital, yeah. two ones, two twos, two threes. And, and, you know, to be able to sit tight and, and, you know, take a chance on Josh Allen at 12, it would make a whole lot more sense than giving most of that away to move up to two or four or five, six, seven, something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously that's the goal here. The, Brandon Bean didn't plan on going into the season with A.J. McCarron and Nate Peterman as his top two quarterbacks. And, you know, this is an opportunity for him to pull the trigger and take a chance on Allen. And I think the silver lining again is that he didn't have to trade up. And, and there's going to be a lot on Josh Allen's plate with his transition to the NFL. And he's really going to be tasked with playing his best football in the NFL because he, he had some, some really egregious moments at, at Wyoming, but, you know, obviously the physical traits are there and, and the athleticism and the size and those kind of things that matter to the NFL, they're, they're all there. He's got the big hands and he can handle, you know, throwing the football through the wind in Buffalo, all these things that we like to make fun of, but there are things that matter to these NFL decision makers. And, you know, it, it's something that if, if Buffalo were to stay put at 12 and Josh Allen gets there, I think he would be the pick. And, you know, Josh Allen's the guy that visited Buffalo this week 
And so, like I mentioned in the beginning, I think the late the late uh, visits do matter. It was on the same day that the guys reported for uh, you know the the off season workouts and stuff. And so, I don't think there's a lot of I don't think that's not just a coincidence. I think that mattered and that was important and that was a reason and that kind of showed that there there is some interest and maybe not to move up, but to, to stay put and, and pull the trigger is something that uh, I think that uh, would happen in this scenario. Redskins at thirteen. We've got. Denzel Ward available. We've got Vita Villa available. We've got uh, Harold Landry, the pass rusher, available. Where do you think the skins go? Yeah, those are all very logical uh, spots. And, and, you know, part of me really thinks that this this defensive line needs to get solidified, and Vita Villa is a guy that can step in and, and do that. But, um, you know, I think they're really going to miss Kendall Fuller, and uh, they have a chance to get Denzel Ward, who – I think they'd probably be surprised if he was on the board at this time. You know, he's he's rumored to be in play as early as number five to Denver. And, and so uh, if Denzel Ward were to slide here to number 13, I think that'd be a, a player that they couldn't really pass up on. I like the depth of this defensive line class. So they may think that, um, you know, they can get that short up later on. I know they like Darius Geis as well. Uh, but, uh, again, position value here going with the cornerback is what kind of makes me lean Denzel Ward in this spot. Number 14, Packers. What are we doing? Yeah, so this is a situation now where I think Harold Landry has to go off the board. Um, and, and, you know, they need that speed off the edge, and they get that in, in Harold Landry, a guy with explosive first-step quickness and a lot of flexibility to bend the edge track. You know, this is a team that gave up 102 passer rating to their opponents last year, and they haven't really done a whole lot to improve this secondary. In fact, they parted with Demarius Randall. And so, um, you know, I don't know that – I think corner is in play. Josh Jackson would be a player that would fit really well there. And, and I think that they do like Leighton Vanderesk from uh, Boise State, the linebacker. But, you know, getting a guy that can, can rush the passer in three, you know, that Mike Pettin 3-4 defense, I think that Harold Landry is a guy that they couldn't pass on based on, you know, again, positional value coming into play here. And that just the pass rushers in this class, you know, it does, there's not a lot of depth to it, especially guys that really translate well to that 34 and Harold Landry would be a, a really good pick for them at 14 to help this pass rush and ultimately it, uh, really improve this pass defense. We're at number 15. The Cardinals roster is rough right now. I mean, they've they've lost a lot of talent, free agency, retirement. Um, where do they go at number 15? Yeah, I think this is where Lamar Jackson really comes into play and, and – um, like you said, this is a roster that's probably one of the bottom five in the NFL. They've got some pieces on defense, but for the most part, you know they, they can they can just go any direction because they they just need help across the board. But you think about Mike McCoy as this offensive coordinator, a guy that's worked with so many different types of quarterbacks, and there's so many different uh, concepts within his offense that you know he's he's proven to to be able to t- kind of tailor his his scheme to his, his quarterback. And, and you get excited about Lamar Jackson stepping into that type of a situation where you know that the best of Lamar Jackson will be on display with Mike McCoy and uh, somebody that can give this team some identity moving forward. You know, Sam Bradford's on a one-year deal. I don't think he's a long-term solution. Mike Glennon, certainly not a long-term solution. You have issues with the offensive line, and, you know, I'm not sure how quickly they're going to be able to correct that. But, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's a guy that's super dynamic, a dual-threat guy, the guy that can win outside of structure, and, uh, you know, he's got some, some pocket ability where he really showed well in terms of slants and hitches last year and whenever they would uh, blitz him. And they play a lot of zone coverage against him, obviously, because they need eyes in the backfield with his escape ability. He did really well to identify those windows between zones last year and hit them. And I love that 
that growth that he's shown. So want to see him get a little bit more consistent with his vertical passing game and hitting those deep outs uh, and short outs, to be honest with you, any outbreaking pattern he really struggled with. But, you know, I like his, his prospects here with Mike McCoy, with this Cardinals team that needs some identity and to give them some, some excitement here moving forward. I would love to see Lamar Jackson and David Johnson in the same backfield. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> we could just do sort of a, a speed round for the next five picks. Uh, Ravens at number 16. What are you thinking? Vita Via still on the board. Yes, classic um, classic Ozzie Newsome. Somebody good's going to fall right into his lap. Vita Via certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, also can see them going wide receiver. You know, I like the, the additions they've made so far. But, uh, you know, I think that Calvin Ridley in this spot, you know, the Alabama connection with Ozzie Newsome is something I think we'll learn hard about. Number 17, Chargers. Yeah, I know they want to get this defensive line position right. I know they like Lamar Jackson as well, but he's not available in this this spot. But uh, getting that, that interior defensive line short up is a strong possibility. Deron Payne comes to mind, but with Vita Via falling this far, I think that's where that ends. We'll go Vita Via here for the Chargers. Love that addition. They If they had one weakness last year, it would, would have been uh, versus the run. And I think if they could upgrade on Brandon Meebane, who's starting to get a little old. Uh, number 18, Seahawks. Seahawks have a lot of needs. And they, they chose to have a lot of them, too, with, with what they did this offseason. Kind of a bizarre offseason for Seattle. But, uh, you know, they have their types. They like, they like uh, you know, the, the twitched-up athletes with length and size. And, you know, Marcus Davenport, this defensive end for Texas San Antonio, if there's a spot that you think he can go, it's going to be Seattle. And I know that they value pass rushers. They're going to value his skill set. And, you know, they're the type of team that would take a chance on his raw potential and physical traits. Cowboys at 19, do they go wide receiver, defensive line? Yeah, or offensive guard. You know, Will Hernandez, Billy Price, Isaiah Wynn are all players that I think about for this team. Um, but I, ultimately, you know, I, it's the wide receiver position where I circle back to where obviously the release of Des Bryant creates a big need at that X position. And Cortland Sutton's the guy in this draft that, I think can be that alpha possession type receiver winning in the red zone catch point guy uh, that can immediately replace him and, and, and give them what they lost. I think Dallas is also a team that we can see trade back. There's some defensive tackles here that I think would be appealing for a lot of the teams behind them, maybe Atlanta moving up for a Taven Bryan. Uh, but uh, whether they sit at 19 or move back a bit, Cortland Sutton's the best X receiver in this draft. And I don't think they can pass up on him. Falcons at number 20, there there has been, and I, of course, read your last mock draft, there's been a lot of connection between the Falcons and Taven Bryan out of Florida. Are you sticking with that one? It, it is, and that's that's actually a trade-up spot that I projected there because number 20 is uh, owned by Detroit. And so um, I, I do like that possibility of them. You know, I think Detroit would be happy with a couple of different defensive linemen here, even Maurice Hurst from Michigan. Um, and so, uh, you know, if the Falcons were able to move up here to 20, that the Florida connection to Dan Quinn is obvious and Taven Bryan is that penetrator that they need. I mean, this, this Falcons defensive line uh, is, has had some play, players move on, Dan, Don Terry Poe and, you know, whoever's starting next to Grady Jarrett, they need, they need somebody that they can rely on because there's not a lot of depth. Awesome. This was so great, Joe. Thank, thank you so much. I think this is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't had a, had a fun time ripping through this, and hey, we'll see what happens in a, in a week here. You know what's so cool about it, Joe? And again, highly encourage people to check out Joe on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. What's so fascinating about it is if 
we changed or tweaked just one thing you did in the first mm-hmm. four or five picks, it has the power and potential then to change like 75% of what happens after it. That's why <laughs> it's so hard, and that's why it's so fun, and that's why the draft is so awesome. I mean, that, that's, that's what makes it so fascinating is like one trade up, one tweak, and it's like, oh, boy, then that team can get that guy, and then that team can get that guy, and then that's why it really is awesome. I mean, I, I, I freaking love the draft, man. Thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Ross. And, uh, yeah, one pick's going to ruin a lot of mock drafts, so hopefully that won't be me. <laughs> so, Joe, what's it like for you when you put in all this time and you're as good as – and, like, the second pick, Gettleman takes somebody you're not – or let's say the Browns take Josh Allen at one. Do you want to, like, stick a pencil through your eyeball? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine putting that much, put so much time into, into it. This, right? And then right at one, it's time. all screwed, and you're like, oh, yeah. God. Yep, I don't want that to be me. Not at all. <laughs> Joe, you're the man. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, Ross. Thanks, Evan. Evan, that was awesome, man. I don't know that how much that has to do with necessarily fantasy football or fantasy feast but that was that was awesome that that was really fun to just kind of go through that exercise i've done mock drafts like live on podcasts or live on mm-hmm. radio and it's amazing how much you can get thrown for a loop when someone you know does something you're not expecting absolutely absolutely i mean i think that that worked really well and he's not a guy joe marino is not a guy that i've talked to a lot in the past and it's fun just to talk a little football with a guy or, you know, what we think might happen in a certain event of football with a guy that you haven't talked a lot of, uh, with in the past. And he knows a lot about the game, man. I mean, he, he knows a lot about the game, and that gives him a little bit of, of an advantage on the field. I mean, he's, he does, like, actual scouting for a, scout, for a scouting website, and he's worked for multiple websites. Uh, so it, it, it was a fun exercise to do with him. And I think that a lot of our, our picks made sense uh, I know that he, you know, we had Josh Allen and we had Josh Rosen falling in the draft further than I think um, a lot of people would anticipate, myself included. But I don't think it's unreasonable. We Again, we've heard a lot of rumblings about Josh Ro- Rosen falling. And Josh Allen still seems like a guy that is really hard to peg down. If he doesn't go number one to the Browns, we don't really know where he's going to go. Yeah, it's a, that's a terrific, terrific point. Speaking of awesome, we got these MFL giveaways, man. And to my knowledge, I don't know that anybody tried to get it. We talked about this earlier, Evan. Tell them again why it's awesome to just get a free $10. Like, we're handing out $10 to somebody. Free money is great. Exactly. And that's what we're doing with these MFL 10 giveaways. So, again, just take advantage of any of our sponsors over at RossTucker.com. Forward it to me after you sign up with the SeatGeek app or anything like that. Just forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, hey, look, I want the free MFL entry. Uh, you got a great chance to win. Other than that, totally stuffed. That was a meaty fantasy feast with Joe Marino. Make sure you check out. Steve Fezzik on the Even Money Betting podcast today. We've got a bunch 
of draft prop bets that we're going to get into, which is always fun this time of year as well. I know Evan will listen to that one. Certainly a good Ross Tucker football podcast with Andrew Brandt as well, diving into some of the Kaepernick stuff as well as red flags of these draft prospects that a lot of times we don't even know about. A lot of good audio content for you guys today over at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. Other than that, though, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.